Okay. Hello, everybody. It has been a while, and I'm happy to be back. And I have with me my dear friend, Polomi. Hey, Polomi. Hi, Ashwini. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Can I just take a moment to appreciate your dedication towards this podcast? Polomi has been uh, the editor for the entire sex education series and for some other episodes too. And she has provided all the artwork for the sex education series. And also, she burnt her hand yesterday and she still wanted to do the recording yesterday. That is some dedication. I'm blushing right now. Well, you deserve it. So thank you very much, Polomi, for your faith in this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for making me part of it. It's a lot of fun, though. <laughs> you have no idea how much I have fun laughing and listening to the podcast while editing it. <laughs> yes, we say some very embarrassing things. Especially the parts that are cut out that none of you will hear. That's my favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are, I think they are my favorite parts too. <laughs> Maybe once we should do a blooper episode <laughs> of all the weird laughs, weird comments, parents coming in while recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, when we run out of podcast ideas, which is going to happen soon enough, we can do it then. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Ashwini? Today, we are going to talk about myths regarding sex and, you know, your body and your sexual organs in general. Hmm. Are you ready, Polomi? I did am. You learn, did you learn anything new while researching for this? Honestly, this would be the best episode for me to come on in because I have no idea about this topic. Very good. I am very excited to hear what you have to say. So what is your first fact slash myth? Okay, so what I wanted to start with was virginity debunked, all right? And yeah, the hymen is the definitive marker of virginity. There are a lot of places, cultures especially, where they judge the value of the bride by the virginity level of hers so if she's a virgin she the younger she is the higher caste she's married into in some places especially india i think it happens quite a bit in the villages but yeah the actual fact is there is no physical trait that indicates virginity or sexual activity not even the presence of a hymen Hymen can Hmm. be broken in a lot of different ways. Also yoga or gymnastics or horse riding, but it does not have to be. It's not a magical vaginal barrier that only virgins have. But um, does the hymen always exist, like from the beginning? It does exist, but it's not a sign that it's the woman is a virgin. Okay, because I I think I read somewhere that some women might just not have hymens, but maybe that was uh, false. So it said that the word is actually a virginal membrane in the early modern period. The hymen is overdetermined and widely misunderstood precisely because it has never been a fixed part of anatomy. anatomy. The hymen is both an anatomical part and a metonym. So that's what they say. It's just a membrane because your muscle hasn't been stretched. So it's like, you know, you're working out, your muscles hurt because you haven't worked it out in a while. To think of it in a simpler Mm -hmm. term, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's another thing that they've said. There's a sexual, a Swedish sexual rights group renamed the hymen the vaginal corona. I don't understand that, but yeah. (laughs) So, see, it's a weird fact. It's not a magical barrier, though. And valuing a woman because of her virginity actually brings them more harm. Of course, of course, yeah. What do you think about this? 
for example, I know of some villages in India and in fact, even some cities where, you know, they have a sort of rate card. So there is this entire dowry system where uh, people take money from the um, bride's mm-hmm. uh, family. Right. And uh, apparently the amount of money they take is proportional to the education of the bridegroom. Mm. So if he's like uh, just past uh, 10th grade, say, then it is maybe around 1 lakh or something. Uh, if he's past 12th grade, maybe it's 10 lakhs. And if he's an engineer, maybe it's a crore. That's how it goes. Wow. And similarly, I think like the price is also dependent on whether the woman has fair skin, how tall she is, and whether she has a hymen or not. Let me go forward and continue this into the second fact, a second myth. You can only lose it once. The myth lose what? Lose the virginity once. This myth is false on a number of levels. First of all, Losing your virginity is problematic because of sex. Therefore, right. therefore it engages in slut shaming, mm-hmm. which is a big stigma that we have around sex. The idea is that there's a lot of first time for a lot of things, not just penetrative virgin vaginal intercourse, you know. Therefore, we have multiple virginities to lose. So anytime you do something new, would be, oh, we're losing your virginity of drinking today losing your virginity of skydiving today, you're losing the virginity of skating today or skateboarding today. You know, you've heard people use that word often. And it also, you know, makes more room for queer folks whose sexuality includes being attracted to more than one sex or gender or trans people who had sex before transitioning. Yeah. Activity with a new mindset. Saying that, oh, you're losing your virginity of drinking today can be a positive. But you, oh my God, you're losing your virginity? That's slut-shaming. Yeah, yeah, true. And uh, just to add to your point here, I was uh, reading about, you know, how there is this entire myth about how women's vaginas become loose. Mm. Um the more sex they have. So apparently, this is not true. Uh, people don't, like their vaginas don't expand because they've had sex. It is true that the vaginas expand during have, during having sex. That's just, you know, to make space for the penis to get inside. But uh, it's not a permanent thing. The thing that can cause... Um, expansion maybe on a more uh what should i say on a more um, like on a longer time scale is probably uh after childbirth uh, or if you have some sort of surgery during childbirth so i didn't know that when you give birth to a child uh, the baby comes out through the vagina right mm-hmm, yeah and underneath the vagina is the anus so sometimes to make space for the baby apparently the space in in the skin in between is cut by doctors Mm -hmm. and then it's soon sewn back again yes Uh, so if you do such procedures it is possible that you might have uh, expansion but in most cases, unless you're having twins or something, in general, your vagina should not stay expanded for more than, say, a few months. Actually, a few days, maybe. I'm not quite sure about the time period. But it's a very, very temporary thing. And even though it does happen, it is not noticeable. So there was this uh, thing I was reading about uh, how uh, you know men say stuff like oh she's not a virgin so her vagina must be loose etc etc so there is this doctor let me find her name Dr. Dweck um, Mm -hmm. sorry Dr. Ross and she says that she's an gynecologist it's a long word um she says that I think 
guys can tell when a woman is a virgin and they can probably tell if someone has had two babies or have had a vaginal birth says dr ross but i don't think they're really going to notice much of a difference unless a guy has a really small penis <laughs> but that was so good <laughs> sorry that was really funny but i might bring you back to a serious point right now mhm since you mentioned this before um there's something called a husband stitch or a daddy stitch which is a horrifying childbirth myth which is not a myth anymore doctors it say they, they say it's unethical but they there was a practice going on where the doctors would add an extra stitch during stitching back the the vagina after the birth that you know to help make the pleasure of sex more for the male partner and there were a number of cases where women were given that extra stitch without their knowledge and could not enjoy the, the sex or the whole practice for a long time till they went back to a woman doctor and realized that this was done to them and they lost years of their life because of this years of their life in terms of enjoying the practice oh god that sounds terrible yeah and it has happened a lot and it's illegal but parents actually fear that the husband stitch can cause difficult afterbirth for the second or third baby i mean it's so crazy how much um faith we place in doctors and their judgment and their knowledge and we actually don't know what they do with their body mm. with our body which is just crazy so yeah what did you read about uh, the stretching of the vagina during um sex i've read that you know it's a myth it's a complete myth and since vagina is a muscle it will expand and contract exactly for sure yeah. but that does not mean a woman is loose or tight that's too sorry i mean it's so bad it's like slut shaming in another way speaking of that um i actually like this entire thought process got me to thinking about how people say that you should not have multiple sex partners because it's bad for your health and mm. you know your vagina becomes loose etc etc again not true there is no such evidence but there was a study conducted by a psychologist um and the study's name this is a long name it's a 2013 paper called the relationship between multiple sex partners and anxiety depression and substance dependence disorders a cohort study um by ramrakha s paul c bell m l dixon n moffett t e and caspi a they basically it was like a long time study mm-hmm. so they followed uh, around 1000 subjects and they started following them uh, when they were 15 and followed them till the age of 32 every 2 years they would ask them about you know how many sexual partners they've had etc etc uh, so this is a 30 year period or no it's not a 30 year period uh, i mean basically the study was conducted over 30 years and so at ages 21 26 and 32 they were given individual assessments on their mental health status mm-hmm. regarding anxiety depression and substance dependence and by substance they mean weed or alcohol um and so what was found out was that uh, although you have no such evidence um i mean if you've done statistics you would know about causation and correlation and like sometimes you have numbers that fit in together but it might not be 
that they're actually linked just because they fit in together. Okay. Okay. So that is basically what they found out that for both men and women, taking into account prior psychological disorders, the odds of developing substance dependence increased almost linearly with the number of sexual partners, meaning that um, if you have more sexual partners, then there is a high chance of you developing substance abuse problems. But this uh, tended to happen, it was way more pronounced for women. Wow. And uh, yeah, uh, their reasoning was that uh, basically women go through, I mean, they go through slut shaming and, you know, all sorts of guilt is associated with this because of our social norms that a woman should not have a lot of sexual partners, etc., etc. So all of them, all of that plays on them and adds to their, uh, you know, depression, et cetera, et cetera, and to their substance abuse issues. Yeah, the result that they came out with was that if you're a woman and if you have multiple sex partners, then chances are high that you're going to have substance abuse problems later on in life. Because of substance abuse and having a polygamy relationship, I didn't realize there was a connection. Well, uh, okay, so this is not polygamous relationship. A polygamous relationship is where you have multiple, um, need not be sexual partners, but basically partners Mm -hmm. at a given point of time. Yeah. Whereas I think what this study meant was having multiple sexual partners in life. You know, for example, um, I think, uh, in 2018, a study was done which said that uh, in France and in the UK too, I believe, uh, on average, a person has seven sexual partners throughout their life. Okay. So that's different from having like one specific partner at one specific time. Mm. But... Um, yeah, so if you're more than seven, then you're probably going to be slut shamed. <laughs> yeah. Also, speaking of that, there was another uh, similar experiment conducted in, um, in Nigeria, which was called Risks and Benefits of Multiple Sexual Partnerships, Beliefs of Rural Nigerian Adolescent Males. And I will not pronounce the names because I don't want to pronounce it wrong right but I can put the link in the description and um, there was one thing particularly which was a little disturbing to me Uh, sexually trans this is the results that they got they they are the age group of the respondents was between 11 to 21 years and the average age was 17 And uh, most of them lived with their parents and had had a secondary level education, like formal education, out of which 79% of people had had heterosexual intercourse. All right. Um, And uh, homosexual intercourse or homosexual activity in general was considered to be wrong. So there was this one specific guy called Kenneth and his belief was in general the belief was that STDs were um, more unlikely than pregnancies and there should be no real belief for this I mean no rationality behind the belief right Um, but there is this 18 year old guy called Kenneth and he says that Although he knew that age was real, his girlfriends in the, were in the village and not from the town. Town girls, he says, were the ones at risk of these diseases. Girls here are not that promiscuous. They do not mess around so much and as such do not have those dangerous diseases. <laughs> they are more likely to become pregnant though because unlike town girls, they don't know what to do. way they approach it, topic of sexual relations for some for some it's very very 
private for some it's very precious for some it's yeah. just you know time to just get off yeah also i wanted to know did you know there's a whole list of questions where that you know sex education they tell you can i get pregnant if so this mm-hmm. is taken from my friend who had a proper lecture in her college and for the first mm-hmm. time i think they i've heard that someone actually got a lecture like that in school wow i'm impressed where is this this was in new york okay one obviously this is normal and you should know about this but if you don't we're not judging you oral sex no ingesting ingesting sperm cannot lead to pregnancy mm-hmm. okay from precum precum or small amounts of ejaculation during sex does contain sperm so yes that can lead to pregnancy if it's inside your vagina wow yeah it's your first time yes you can get pregnant if it's your first time if you're having sex during your period it's unlikely because you usually finish ovulation before but it is still possible it's not 100% accurate that if you have sex on your period you won't get pregnant it's still possible also like uh, when you're ovulating you might bleed and you might mistake it for pregnancy hmm also yeah uh, sorry not for pregnancy for periods for periods yeah yeah if you have not had your first period yet again that's wrong that's because when you ovulate for the first time before your first period you do ovulate so if you do have sex before your first period there is a very small chance that you can become pregnant mhm interesting and your position during sex or after sex does not matter you can still get pregnant directly you know get the sperm out of you <laughs> makes sense yeah but for me the most surprising out of all of this was sex on your period which was very very surprising because i thought you know you couldn't if you were on your period hmm it might also be a fetish thing but uh, the nhs <clears throat> which is uk's health system um they have an entire page about it and they speak about how it can be in fact pleasurable much more pleasurable for the woman because at that time our hormones are essentially going haywire and so we can um be wanting more sex to put it in a nice way um and so you know also the blood acts as a natural lubricant which makes insertion easier yes. yeah i've heard mm-hmm. yeah and uh, like the the surprising thing for me was that uh, you can like the orgasm can actually reduce uh, your pain or cramps that's surprising for sure right yeah i mean i would assume that insertion in itself would be painful but apparently if you orgasm then i mean that makes sense because you'll have a rush of endorphins to your brain which will definitely defocus you from the pain hmm so for me the main concern was the fact that it's gross I will I think I mean, it would be gross but I think others that they've talked about they've said that mm, might not be if you're clean matlab you take proper precautions to be clean like putting a towel down or changing the scenery or not looking at all the blood <laughs> <laughs> or doing it when uh, there is running water because your vagina uh, I don't know how what this miraculous system is but apparently when you're taking a bath you never bleed yeah you don't yeah that's the first thing they taught us in school because we were supposed to go for a water slide water park and we were at the age we are like my date's coming during that day itself we can't go they literally told us remove your pad remove your thing and go the water will stop all the blood flow 
You were like, wow. that's disgusting. That is disgusting. Just imagine you're in the same water where people are peeing. There's people with periods. There are people with all that. And the water's going in my face and my body. Yuck. <sighs> but yeah. yeah, it does stop the blood flow completely for those few hours that you're in the water. Yeah, but I'm guessing that would be painful, right? Because the blood will still be flowing to your um, vagina and it will just, like the pressure will increase. It doesn't pain at all. So, But I think after that, the blood flow might be a little bit more. That's it that day. I see. Mm. Right. But uh, while having sex on period, a few things need to be remembered. One is if you use a um, menstrual cup, then you need to remove that unless you're having oral sex. And the second is that um, the chances of transmission of STDs is higher because blood is involved. Yes. So always protect using condom, guys. Always, always wear a condom. And just to be sure, also use like um, birth control if you don't want to get pregnant. Yes. Yeah, you were saying because you met. Because mm. I met someone today and my friends were like, oh, maybe it was the first time. So that's why we wanted to do it without the condom. I was like, are you crazy? Do you <laughs> not know basic biology? That's why this podcast is. This, this is why you guys should be listening to us. <laughs> what are you doing? Get with the program. <laughs> I really hope you sent them a list, uh, a link of the podcast. I did. I was like, aren't you listening to me? I'm posting every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, also. Yeah, go ahead. And some people even think that, you know, period sex might make the period worse. But that's not the case. Because mm. I feel like. They've said that in a lot of different, different websites and papers. I forgot to note down the names, but many women report that sex during menstruation, like you said, right? It helps with cramps and pains because you're basically exercising the muscular contractions during the orgasms. And there's something called prostaglandin, sorry that semen contains and the hormones that stimulate the urine contractions. They combine and they allow the blood flow to be quicker and brings the period to an earlier end. So if you think about Mm. it, it might actually be good for your body. Interesting. Yeah, we are not advertising sex during periods, people, but... I mean, we are just saying that there is scientific evidence that this might be fine. Exactly. Albeit a bit gross, maybe, but fine. (laughs) And I watched uh, YouTube videos by a YouTuber called Carlin Ross, who discusses this on her YouTube video with uh, another doctor. So maybe if you guys want to check her out, the topic of the video is sex during period. Very straightforward so go ahead yeah great we will put up the link in the description uh speaking of sex during periods i also looked up sex during pregnancy oh interesting it it is completely fine apparently yeah might even be good for the body i don't know if it is i've heard that um the movement actually makes the baby feel like it's in a swing. You know, the cradling that the mom does of bringing the baby up and down when the baby's born and swinging into the swings of Jula. Yeah, yeah. That kind of movement reminds them of being in the body. Huh, interesting. Uh, basically, there is a page on, uh, NHS has a page where they say that it is totally fine to have sex during pregnancy. And like you said, it might be good for the baby, uh, but it depends on the stage of pregnancy. It depends if you have a lot of blood loss because that might cause problems. It depends on the position of the placenta in the body because if it is too low, then 
uh, it could cause issues. But the point is that, you know, the penis never goes further than the vagina. Mm. And so in general cases, it would never actually reach the baby. It wouldn't, no. Yeah, but it would definitely help with uh, reducing the mother's pain or sickness. Depending on the mood, of course. I mean, on the because during pregnancy, your hormones change a lot. So if you are in the mood for it, then it can be really good. I feel like our, if people our age, they do not go to the gynecologist often. Today, I met a friend, okay? Out of topic, mm-hmm. by the way. So we can cut this out if you want. And no, no, go ahead. she had some hormonal problem with her face breaking out or growing in face and her hair. And the doctor suggested that she take birth control. Now, explain. Mm-hmm. I, I understood the reason why. Because the doctor thought she had PCOD or PCOS. You know what her first mm-hmm. response was? But I'm not married. I don't have a sexual life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's such no, a stigma I mean, against birth control, but it actually is. To a- be honest, I do. I kind of have it too. So, uh, I mean, I know people who take birth control pills because they have very heavy periods and it helps with reduction of period. Reduction of periods, um, reduction of pain, consistent periods, PCOD control, PCOS control. Yeah, but um, I'm I wouldn't take it. Although I do have uh, major cramps, but I don't know. I don't feel too good. To be honest, with the idea, I would prefer if the listeners go to their own gyno and talk about it too, because that is true. Yeah, it's true. And also, if you don't control your PCOS, PCOS, or PCOD right now, then when you're married and you want to conceive a baby, you might have fertility problems. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's not the only problem. Of course. Even without having a baby, there is so much of hair loss and Mm -hmm. a lot of different things that Mm -hmm. happen. We will definitely have one episode on entirely on PCOD, I think, because it's a big topic and it's something that needs to be known a lot more. Um, yeah, but coming back to myths regarding sex, I found this article in a newspaper called The Independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if this is scientific or not. I don't think it is. But the points are pr- quite valid. So I'm just going to say it out. Uh, number one, orgasm is the only goal during sexual intercourse. <laughs> obviously not true yeah yeah it's it's not true i mean there are a lot of people who you know have orgasms but they are still dissatisfied with their sex lives because they are looking for intimacy mm. and also not everyone orgasms no you know you don't always yeah. have so, to orgasm to have a good sex life or a sexual intercourse period or a practice it can also yeah. be about the intimacy or the touches or the warmth or, you know, whatever you want to call it, romance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I would say to that? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but fine. We are all different and we need to respect our differences. Um, True. Okay. So number two, we all have multiple orgasms as discussed, not true. Number three, men think about sex every seven seconds. Uh, not true. Not true. Because there is, not, there is no real evidence of that. Um, number four, all women orgasm. Not true. No. Number five. You can tell the size of a man's penis by his shoe size. Now, this is something I'd never heard before. Really? I've heard hand before, not shoe. Apparently, height too. Height I too. no idea. No, height cannot be that subjective, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So, I did go back and I uh, went through some studies, mm-hmm. definitely for shoe size. And um, 
there was no correlation that was found. Of course, this was only done on uh, European and uh, you know British men, but um, definitely no association was found. Okay, uh, where was I? Yes, I was at true size, not true. Number six, you can only orgasm through penetrative sex. Clearly not, not true. true. <laughs> uh, that clearly does not happen all the time while masturbating. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Number seven, he comes first. Again, not true. Not true. I always believe in equality. <laughs> so maybe go 50-50. Uh, number eight, faking an orgasm is okay. Actually, speaking of that, the he comes first. You know, um, men cannot have multiple orgasms at once. I mean, if they orgasm, then they need to take a break for a while before they can go again. And so maybe it is advisable for the woman to orgasm first because... Once the man orgasms, he basically is dead. So it was you, Sanji, and Stefan. Three of you were talking about the pleasure episode, and you all spoke that Stefan said that he needs a five-minute break between each, which I found very fast. Because <laughs> from what I have heard, <laughs> they took a good 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> So, guys, if you want to listen oh, to this, go back to our previous episode called Pleasure and listen to the discussion. <laughs> if you haven't. And Stefan, if you're listening, people are in awe of your capabilities. <laughs> I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, number eight. <laughs> Faking an orgasm is okay. Um, this is debatable. I don't really have thoughts on this, so I won't comment. I feel like that depends on uh, Number nine. I've heard people say that they have faked it a lot I mean, of time to get it over with if they're enjoying it or if it's taking too long and they're both getting frustrated and they don't want to hurt the partner's feelings. But it, it, I feel like it shouldn't be done yeah, that way. Yeah. Yeah, ideally, I guess it shouldn't, but um, I don't know <laughs> if it's a sticky situation. For sure. Another interesting part from mm -hmm. the previous episode, which I wanted to discuss with you guys, um, Sanchi saying that she had 100 within two or three hours. Yeah, I think it was yeah. two hours. So I was checking about that. So the duration of a sexual act is 30 minutes is the myth. Because many, yeah, because oh, many yeah. men actually worry about a duration. It's a non-realistic because of porn. And numerous, numerous of studies course. actually. Yeah. There was another one in a Journal of Sexual Medicine. The first one was in two thousand five. All right, it was done across a lot of European countries, and they showed that the average time for ejaculation in men was exactly five point four minutes. And the second one was hmm. like with premature ejaculation was like two minutes. And a man without problem was max seven minutes. But there were very wow. few women who could go up to 25 minutes. So women, I don't think you should be that worried because men don't have any self-control. They can't control themselves. Sorry, self-control was not the right word. But if your sexual act does not go beyond 30 minutes, don't be disappointed. It's not a porn video. It's a realistic experience. Yep, very true. Which brings me to my next point. Uh, sex is just like it is on TV. No, no, it is not. It's noisy, messy, smelly, and awkward at times too. Yeah, that's yes. completely true. Uh, like, uh, yeah, 3 to 13 minutes is um, the average time, according to researchers at Penn State University. I mean, I think you should just be happy if you get to 13. Oh, for sure. 
I don't know. <laughs> like, I just find the idea weird of like sitting with a timer or something. <laughs> Interestingly, there was a show, I don't remember where exactly, but um, I think I saw it in India once. It wasn't interesting for me, it might be interesting for our listeners. It was called Masters of Sex. Mm-hmm. Where they show the invention of the dildo and the vibrator or whatever. It's a, a scientist exploring women's sexual needs while trying to, in his own personal life, conceive a child. Interesting show, but in that I realized that some people think of it as motions in life, you know. Which, why, which is why I was look, looking at how often do couples have sex and from Mm -hmm. my research it seems that I think there's a paper between Lawman's myth and what's I can't pronounce the last name Lawman and Smith between 1994 and 2011 where they say that most couples usually just have it once or twice a week but in recent years it's seen that more couples are expecting more in long-term relationships. So the overwhelmingly majority of men were not pleased with the frequency of sex and always wanted more. And of all the women who were not satisfied, two or three wanted more often, where one or three, one by three wanted less frequently. Which is very interesting. Mm. The fact that the, the dissatisfaction was common in both genders shows that the problem does not occurs on different levels of sexual desire, but not from pursuits or obligations. So guys, don't restrict yourself to one or two times. Do it as you feel and always ask your partner. Always communicate with your partner. Yeah, I wonder if this is like um, also related to how much, how accessible internet has become and how accessible Mm. porn has become, you know. So maybe people are having expectations because this seems to be more of a brain thing rather than a body thing. Also, there is this myth about condoms ruining sex. So clearly it's not true. First of all, the very existence of a condom would mean that you cannot worry about getting pregnant or getting STDs and actually enjoy it. Secondly, most of this feeling, most people who have this feeling say that they are not feeling anything. And apparently this not feeling anything sensation is because of a lack of lubrication, not because mm. of the condom. So maybe use a little more lube. Yes. Also, if you're allergic to latex, you don't want to use a condom. You can't use a condom, which is another myth. Because there are latex-free condoms available too. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and there are different types of condoms, right? There are condoms for women, condoms for men. A lot of different stuff you can try out. And another myth I was interested in, since we talked about pregnancy, was you have to use emergency contraption in the morning after sex. Yeah, you mean sorry. <laughs> sorry. This is a common misconception <laughs> due to the nickname the morning after pill or the plan B pill. The point is that the mm-hmm. emergency contraption can contraception pill can be given up to five days after the unprotected sex. Or if you want to be extra careful, you can take it even after that. But if you're worried you missed hmm. this time frame, there are other options available. So, oh, yeah, one last thing um, from the research I did. Uh, what do girls, uh, what size do ah. girls expect of penises? Um, and apparently, this is, I don't know if it is surprising, but apparently, um, girls don't diverge a lot from the average size in their expectation. It's Mm -hmm. just a bit more. Also, this is only for uh, one-time sex. Like if they're looking for partners for multiple sex, then 
multiple sexual experiences, then I it seems like they don't tend to care that much about the size of the penis. I'll tell you why. Because the vaginal canal is actually only one or two inches. So even a relatively mm -hmm. small penis can get the job done. But better, yeah, but better sex comes from play, taking your time. There are other ways to enjoy it. You know that one episode of Friends where Monica does like seven points on a piece of paper and tries to explain the mm -hmm. way to go up, down, up, down. That's what mm -hmm. you need to do, guys. Your connection should be at an emotional <laughs> level for both the men and women because what the person wants is not. Just communicate with your partner. Know what the expectations mm. are on both sides. Oh, yeah. You can be addicted to a vibrator. Hmm. Yeah, 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 that's a real thing, apparently. Not exactly. The thing is, your body gets addicted to experiencing it in a certain way. It's like you're stuck to a method. The more you do something, the stronger it feels. Okay. So, because you have a vibrator, you can control the climax faster, easily high-powered, a vibrator won't ruin your ability to achieve it with your partner comparatively, but it just says that you should introduce your partner to vibrator and not hide it. Don't be self-conscious about it, about how long it takes to climax without one. Mm. The time it takes to climax is related to how frequently you ejaculate if that's the right word mm. basically men who masturbate or people who masturbate more frequently uh, their tendency to i mean the time it takes for them to climax during sex is higher true and you know this is another thing i've heard that comes back to indian culture you know, the birth of a child benefits a couple's sexual life and relationships. Okay. It's false because a lot of family families have reported that 50% of time that their sexual life after the child's birth was bad or not very good. And they seek professional help. Counseling, for sure. I mean, of course, that kind of makes sense, right? Because if you have a child, you're going to spend a lot more time and attention on the child rather than on your relationship. And so time to have sex comes down. It's a very common cultural problem where they say, oh, you're having problems with your husband. Just have a child, you know, you all will bond more. You all will make up. You all will become stronger as a couple. It's completely false because even... After that, you need to find time for yourself as a couple. Yeah, and in fact, I think that to the contrary, it would become way messier if you are an incompatible and if you have a child. It will be so much worse for the child too, mm. you know, to grow up um, with parents who are not on good terms. Yeah, there is um, another myth which I have not researched, but... There is this thing that people say that, um, and it's a bit off topic, but they say that, you know, you're not never going to love an adopted child as much as you're going to love your own child. And I have a feeling that's not true. <laughs> it's just a brain construct. And another thing, you know, they say that men always marry younger women, but younger women should marry older men because older, older men have a, higher sexual peak hmm. or the fact that men and women have sexual peaks at different ages have right. you heard that before i have yeah in fact i did read that uh, puberty strikes men and women def differently and uh, women tend to become uh, an adult in terms of sex sexual habits uh, faster than men 
So it is kind of false because they're talking about peak over here in this myth. And what right. the hell is a yeah. peak anyway? The peak comes from a 20th century word, to be honest. And they said that the hole in this myth comes from the word itself. So myth likely originated in the Kensley research about sexuality in the middle of the 20th century. The study actually mm-hmm. counted up how many orgasms people are having at different ages. And wow. the research quantified that hormone levels change throughout a person's life, which is very common and understandable. And the idea is very wish-washy. Humans level naturally fluctuate in accordance with puberty and age, but also with totally variable experiences like life stresses or major events like pregnancy, like life stresses as in work stress or life problems or pregnancy, the childbirth. And the second is the peak depends on personal life experience. A sexual Mm. peak is absurd on the face of it because everyone's experiences are so unique. And the notion that you would tie those numbers to ages is a disappointment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. That was a very... I learned a lot this conversation. It was very enlightening. Thank you so much, Paulami. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, come on. Well, it has not been announced yet, but you know, you are a part of this podcast. So yes. yeah, Honestly, always a pleasure. So scared about this one. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you did a lot of research and um, I think the important thing is for us to say things that are right or accurate because otherwise, you know, we can get into trouble. But more importantly, there is a lot of misinformation out there that is already, you know, affecting people. So we should definitely not contribute to that sort of thing. True. Yeah, but you did a great job and I'm hoping to see you again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Okay, then. <laughs> what happened? The is it not talk. your pleasure? <laughs> it oh, is. Oh, oh my God. Okay, great pun. Okay, so this was a good talk. Thank you so much, Polomi, and I hope your hand gets better soon. And I hope you can make a lot more artwork, and I hope to see you soon on several other episodes. I think you have come on episodes with Sanchi, haven't you? It's just that this is our first episode together. We have done one episode together, but not as just both of us. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. this was fun. We should do it more often. For sure. Yeah. So, good talk, Polomi. And see you soon. Bye-bye.